verses 22 through 38 of chapter 7. We notice that since chapter 6, there has been a repetition of the instructions concerning how to offer each one of the different offerings, but this time in the perspective of the priest, through the perspective of the one who is performing the sacrifice. And we come uh, now in these verses to the conclusion of this section, which brings uh, several warnings and requirements. With this in mind, please turn your attention to the reading of God's holy, inerrant, and inspired word, Leviticus chapter 7, verses 22 to 38. This is the word of our blessed Lord. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, You shall not eat any fat of ox or sheep or goat. And the fat of an animal that dies naturally, and the fat of what is torn by wild beasts, may be used in any other way, but you shall by no means eat it. For whoever eats the fat of the animal of which men offer an offering made by fire to the Lord, the person who eats it shall be cut off from his people. Moreover, you shall not eat any blood in any of your dwellings, whether a bird or beast. Whoever eats any blood, that person shall be cut off from his people. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, He who offers the sacrifice of his peace offering to the Lord shall bring his offering to the Lord from the sacrifice of his peace offering. His own hands shall bring the offerings made by fire to the Lord. The fat with the breast he shall bring that the breast may be waved as a wave offering before the Lord. And the priest shall burn the fat on the altar, but the breast shall be Aaron's and his sons. All the right, also the right tie you shall give to the priest as a heave offering from the sacrifices of your peace offerings. He among the sons of Aaron who offers the blood of the peace offering and the fat shall have the right tie for his part. For the breast of the wave offering and the tie of the heave offering, I have taken from the children of Israel, from the sacrifices of their peace offerings, and I have given them to Aaron the priest and to his sons from the children of Israel by a statute forever. This is the consecrated portion of Aaron and his sons. From the offerings made by fire to the Lord on the day when Moses presented them to minister to the Lord as priests. The Lord commanded this to be given to them by the children of Israel on the day that he anointed them by a statute forever throughout their generations. This is the law of the burnt offering, the grain offering, the sin offering, the trespass offering, the consecrations, and the sacrifice of the peace offering, which the Lord commanded Moses on Mount Sinai, on the day when he commanded the children of Israel to offer their offerings to the Lord in the wilderness of Sinai. 
Blessed be the word of the Lord. May he apply his word to our hearts. Let us pray together. Great God in heaven, as we approach your holy and sacred text, as we seek, O Lord, to listen again your voice thundering through the pages of your word, and as we seek to see Christ, O Lord, in every page, Father, we pray that it would remove the blindfold of our eyes, that you may guide, O Lord, our understanding, that you would nourish and refresh our souls through your word, and that you would prepare us, O Lord, to partake of the blessed supper that our King has instituted for us, so that we also, O Lord, as we remember his death, we may also, Lord, die with him and resurrect with him. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray these things. Amen. As we come to the conclusion of this section of Leviticus, we may have the very firm impression of how the Word of God, how in His prescriptions and detailed instructions, the sacrifices in the Old Testament were marked by a mechanic nature. It is very common for us as we are going through our yearly reading, for example, of the Word of God, or as we set aside these specific books of Scripture that contains detailed information of how a specific uh, 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 perform, uh, things ought to be performed before the Lord are given, we, we come out with that impression how, how mechanic the Old Testament was. How, how, how automatic, perhaps, if you will, the Old Testament offerings were until we reach verses like this. And then we realize that there's nothing mechanic then we realize when we read these verses that as the Israelites were approaching the Lord with their offerings, Yahweh was dealing with their hearts. Now, how do we know that? Well, when we pay attention to what these verses are teaching us, we notice that the Lord is requiring of the Israelites more than a mechanical approach. The Lord is requiring more than... than Following the method of procedure, the Lord is requiring a soul that knows what it is doing, a heart that is engaged in what it is doing, and a mind that understands that salvation is only of the Lord. You see, Christians, as we analyze these verses this morning, as we prepare to partake of the supper, we are reminded of the same preparations and warnings that Yahweh was giving to His people in the Old Testament. And we notice here three specific preparations or warnings. The first one, and we're going to see that in verses 22 through 27, is that they ought to discern the seriousness of the sacrifice. That there must be discernment. That's the reason why there are several prohibitions. We'll notice, secondly, that their motivation ought to be, now that they have offered a sacrifice, to offer everything to the Lord. They are to dedicate all things to the Lord. We see that in verses 28 through 36. And lastly, we, we notice in the very last two verses that as, as they are offering the offerings, and as they are receiving these instructions, they are to understand and to be comforted that the sacrifice system is absolutely complete. There is not a single sin that, has not, that they have not committed that there is not atonement for them. And so as we consider these three thoughts this morning in this text, we notice what we learn is that as we come, as the Christian church, we come to partake of the Lord's Supper, 
which reminds us of that sacrifice that Christ offered once for all, we must come with discernment, ready to offer ourselves as living sacrifices and assured that our sins have been fully paid. Let us learn this this morning. As we consider these verses and as we approach the supper of the Lord, let us understand we must approach the supper with discernment ready to offer ourselves as living sacrifices and assured that all our sins are covered by the perfect and sufficient sacrifice of Christ. As we turn our attention to verses 22 to 27, we notice three prohibitions. Three prohibitions. And one of them have already been uh, 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 issued back in chapter 3. And it is that the fat of the sacrifice belongs to the Lord. You notice that in verses 22 and 23, that you shall eat any, not, you shall not eat any fat of ox or sheep or goat. Now remember back then in chapter 3, when we considered these verses, we were reminded that the fat is the most precious portion of the animal. The fat is the best of the animal, and therefore the best was set aside for the Lord. That was a reminder that the Lord always deserved the best. That was a reminder of the seriousness of the sacrifice. That was a reminder that avoiding all sort of mechanic and pragmatical approach, I'm simply going to into into the temple, I'll bring my offering, I'll give it to to, uh, to the priest, he will slay my offering. And so mechanically those things would be performed as the offerer would stop and, and hinder his hand from touching the fat. He was being reminded, this belongs to the Lord. The only reason why all of this is happening is because of the Lord. Avoiding all sort of mechanic and pragmatical thought, you ought to honor the Lord. You see, perhaps the, the offerer, very much concerned with his sin was rushing to offer the sacrifice, desiring that his sin would be indeed cleansed. And in this this desire, in this ardent desire, he perhaps could have forgotten, I need to honor God. I need to honor God with this sacrifice. I can't come to offer the sacrifice selfishly. I can't simply come to the sacrifice thinking on my benefit. This 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 is to honor God. I have mared His holiness. I have stained His holiness before the holy congregation. The Lord must be honored. The fat doesn't belong to you. And this is such a serious, serious matter that you look at verse 25, there is a condemnation of exclusion. Now, there is uh, is a lot of debate regarding if this is a sentence of death, or if this is simply an expulsion, an exclusion from the congregation of Israel. But what is clear in verse 25 is that the Lord wants them to take this seriously. Look at verse 25. For whoever eats the fat of the animal of which men offer, the person who eats it shall be cut off from his people. As you approach the sacrifice, says the Lord, you are to remember to honor me. You are to remember that this is my sacrifice, that this is my institution. You're not to approach this as a trivial thing. You are to approach it with honor, separating that which belongs to me to me under the penalty that if you do these things lacking this discernment, 
you'll be punished for it. A second need is the need for purity. Purity. And we see that with the prohibition that the offerer or the people of Israel should not eat of the flesh of dead animals. Look at verse 24. In the fact of an animal that dies naturally or an animal uh, that is torn by wild beasts. They should not touch it. Now later on in Leviticus 17, it's going to be very clear for us why that prohibition. Because the Lord will consider those two kinds of flesh, an, an animal who died naturally or a roadkill, the Lord will consider it impure. The Lord will say in Leviticus 17 that if anyone touches those kinds of flesh, they are unclean. They are unfit to approach Him in holy worship. What a staunch warning, isn't it? That we are not to approach our great God with impurity. And that was one of the ways in which trivially Israelite could offer his offering, couldn't he? Having found an animal or uh, in, in his barn that simply died, perhaps of old age, perhaps inexplicably, he would simply bring it to the offering and, and offer it or, or prepare it as a meal in his own home. Uh, it seems that all the butchering in the community of Israel took place during the, the context of sacrifices. And therefore, that, that that meat, that that animal, impure, would be brought into the temple, making everything impure. Let us have in mind that the main focus of the book of Leviticus is to remind us that God is pure and He wants a pure people for Himself. And that's what the sacrifice reminds us as well. This warning, prepare the offerer with the certainty, with the conviction that he must approach the Lord in purity. And he knows that this purity is not possible for him alone. He needs the Lord Himself to purify Him. He needs the sacrifice. He needs to go to the purity and to the through washering uh, uh, ceremonies so that He may approach the Lord. He cannot touch the sacrifice. He cannot approach the temple with an impure heart and unclean. But lastly, you have the prohibition of the blood. The prohibition of the blood, verse 23, to verse 26 and 27. You shall not eat any blood in any of, of your dwellings, whether of, be, of bird or beast. Now, there, is a, there, there are several associations regarding the eating of blood to, uh, to health issues. There are those who try to make that, that connection. And there are those who try to make the connection between the eating of blood and the pagan worship services that would take place in Canaanite uh, uh, region. And yet we are reminded over and over again in the book of Leviticus that the blood has a very specific and important process in the whole sacrificial system in Israel. The blood reminds us of the atonement. The blood reminds us that that is what the Lord uses to wash clean he who is in sin. In other words... The Israelites were not to deal with blood trivially. They're not to deal with the offering trivially. They're not to deal with bringing the offering and their personal state trivially. 
and they're not to deal with the elements of the sacrifice which point to the great blessing which is, which is the washing of our sins trivially. They should not approach without discernment. Have you heard that before? I trust you have. For when we are reminded of the words of the blessed, of the blessed Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 27 through 30, there is this warning that we, not, we are not to approach this table without discernment. Without discerning what it means. Without discerning what it points to without discerning the preciousness of the death that is being celebrated and remembered as we approach this element, that we are to approach this search in our hearts and ourselves. Actually, the very same penalty, do you remember? The very same penalty that is clearly stated here, that people should be cut off, they should be cut off from the nation of Israel, wasn't it happening in the church at Corinth as well? Don't we remember that in 1 Corinthians 11, the Apostle Paul says, that's the reason why many among you are sick and many are dying. They're being cut off. Where's that coming from? From the same God who established the same pattern to the people in the Old Covenant. They are approaching without discernment. Without discernment, without discerning the honor that God must have without discerning the purity that they ought to be already embraced to approach this table, forgetting the preciousness of the atonement, doing things mechanically and trivially. Christian, how are you approaching this table this morning? Perhaps you sit here this morning and you need to listen to the very same staunch warnings that the Lord has issued for His people of old. As you partake of these elements, be reminded. Be reminded to honor God. Set aside any mechanical spirit, any, any pragmatical idea. Approach these elements with a heart and a soul that desires to honor God with all that you do and say and think. As you approach this table this morning, also approach it discerning that this is a holy endeavor. That this is an endeavor separated by Christ Himself to bless His people. And those who approach it must not be in sin. That's the reason why we spend that week in preparation, isn't it? To examine our hearts, to examine our souls, our relationship with the Lord and with our brothers and sisters, so that we may come to them and reach out to them if we are in sin, asking forgiveness, seeking reconciliation, so that we may approach this table. Not lacking discernment. Don't lack discernment. As you approach the table this morning. Brothers and sisters, fathers and mothers, we must partake of the Lord's Supper discerning the seriousness of Christ's sacrifice. But we also must approach it motivated to offer ourselves, ourselves as a sacrifice. We see that in the next verses, verses 28 through 36. What we see here in these verses is the specific command is still explaining the peace offering that he who is bringing the offering after the celebration of the offering, he is to offer to the Lord, he is to bring back from the offering to the Lord a wave offering. Now that's a very interesting name, a very inter interesting nomenclature. 
Because it really means what it says. The wave offering is offering when, again, look at the text, when the breast, look at verse 31, and the priest shall burn the fat on the altar, and the breast shall be Aaron's and his sons. And so as the one brings the breast, he is to wave the breast before the Lord. The waving is a sign of total dedication. The wave is a sign of gratitude and of great appreciation for the sacrifice that has been received. The waving would place the offerer in a position of joy, you see. My sin has been atoned. Sacrifice has been performed. Now I bring back to the Lord from that which He has given me. Now, something very interesting in these verses, which really dominates verses 33 through 37, is that while the breast is brought to the Lord, the Lord gives it to Aaron. Did you notice that? Again, verse 33, 32 and 33 read, Also the right eye uh, you shall give to the priest as a heave offering from the sacrifices of your peace Offerings. He among the sons of Aaron who offers the blood of, of the peace offering and the fat shall have the right tie for his part. For the breast of the wave offering and the tie of the heave offering I have taken from the children of Israel from the sacrifices of their peace offerings and I have given to Aaron and his priests. The Lord has given it all to the priest who is offering the sacrifice. The best portion. With the acknowledgement of the offer. The offer himself is bringing it to the Lord, expressing gratitude to the Lord with the waving offering, and he sees everything going to the priest who offered the sacrifice. You see, as we approach the table, you are reminded of he who offers sacrifice for us, aren't we? And he's not from the Aaronic line. Is from a different, superior line. While the Aaronic priests would die, ours live forever. While the Aaronic priests had to offer sacrifices for their own sins, ours priest, our high priest, has no sin at all. Actually, he offers sacrifices for our sins and our sins only. We come and worship and offer a superior high priest, a infinitely incomparable high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of all things. And as we come, Christian, be reminded that as you partake of these portions, you are called, just as the Apostle Paul called Christians in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, do you remember? In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, the Apostle Paul says that we are to offer ourselves as living sacrifices to the Lord. Where did Paul got this language? Where did he get this language from? Is it not from this precisely this very same text before of us? Is this your mind, Christian, this morning? As you come to partake of this table, as you come honoring God, as you come seeking true purity and come with a clean conscience 
cleansed entirely by Christ, as you come to celebrate and rejoice in the atonement that has been once for all offered for sinners, do you come with this great motivation that now that I partake of this sacrifice, now that I am reminded of that superior high priest that died for me, that shed his blood for me, that cleansed me entirely, I am ready to wave my life to him. Whatever it is, my thoughts, my actions, my studies, my business, my marriage, my family, I wave it all. I wave it all to Him. For He is the one who saves and purifies me. But lastly, as the offers in the Old Testament sacrifice were reminded, so are we. That as we approach the sacrifice of Christ, we are reminded that the sacrifice covers it all. It covers it all. In verses 37 to 38, we are reminded that this is the conclusion of the section. Now here, uh, Moses, inspired by the Word of God, is concluding. And, and again, it's, it's being reminded to the readers that there are specific, precise regulations. God does not accept you worshiping Him according to your views, according to your imaginations, according to the suggestions of the world. No, He prescribes the way in which He must be approached. But as we focus on verse 37, we notice how perfect the sacrificial system was. There is a revision of all kinds of sacrifices. Look at verse 7. This is the law of the burnt offering, the grain offering, the sin offering, the trespass offering, the consecration offering, and the sacrifices of the peace offering. As we have already covered each one of, the, of those offerings have a specific, determined purpose, remember? Each one of those offerings, if there was joy, grain offering. If there was gratitude, peace offering. If there was sin, sin offering. If there was a sin that, I don't re, that, that I'm not reminded of, burnt offering. There is an offering covering every single situation in the life of Israelite. Whatever is the problem of your soul, the Lord says, here's the solution for you. There's not an inch of sin that I will not cover with blood to clean you and to make you righteous before my very eyes. And isn't exactly what that table reminds us as we approach that table, Christian. Whatever is your sin, as you approach it in faith, as you approach it in obedience, as you approach it, honoring God, as you approach it, acknowledgement that salvation is of the Lord through Christ alone, through His blood alone, that has been offered once for all alone, that has been offered for His people alone, as you approach the table in this mindset, convicted by these things through the Holy Spirit of God, as you approach the table in faith, you are reminded all your sins have been covered. And it was not necessary a plethora 
of sacrifices. Only this sufficient sacrifice of Christ at the cross of Calvary, only one was sufficient and precious and infinitely valuable so that all your sins may be covered, so that your conscience may be, free, may be free from guilt, so that the devil may not accuse you of your sins, so that every time there is a struggle and there is a burdened conscience, you may point to the cross, you may go back to the sacrifice and you may say, it has been paid for. It has been paid. Why are you accusing me? It has been paid for. And as we are battling with sin, and as we are struggling against it, we may again glance at the sacrifice. We may look back at the cross and be reminded, I'm dead with Him. I am dead with Him so that I may be resurrected with Him in His resurrection. There is not a single sin that you have committed, Christian, that you have committed if you are part of God's people that has not been covered for. Let us therefore approach this table in the right manner. Let us approach it understanding, discerning the elements, discerning the seriousness of Christ's sacrifice, discerning the honor, the purity, and the power of the atonement. Let us approach it with motivation to offer our entire lives as a wave offering to the Lord. Let us approach it comforted that a sacrifice has been offered for all our sins. Once for all, peace we have with God through Christ, His blessed Son. Let us pray together. Great God in heaven, as we seek again to prepare our hearts and to partake of these elements, Lord, help us to approach these elements with discernment. Help us to approach them, O Lord, motivated to offer ourselves as a wave offering unto you. Help us to approach it, O Lord, seeking indeed comfort for our souls, our tired, exhausted souls that battle with sin, that lives in the midst of sin, let us be reminded that there's not a single sin of your people that has been not covered through the blood of that perfect sacrifice of Christ. And as we meditate on these things, and as we approach the table in these, trust, trusting and understanding these things, may you, O Lord, through the power of your Holy Spirit, apply graciously and powerfully this elements unto us, unto to our souls. In Christ's name, Lord, we pray.